This is St. Peter's Sunday Morning Bible Group, and I'm Pastor Adam. Each week, we record our teaching time to aid you in your discipleship and to help create a resilient faith that is able to respond to the changing landscape of culture and life with the fullness of grace and truth. And hey, if you happen to live in the Columbus area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head over to our website at stpeterscolumbus.org. That's stpeterscolumbus.org. Here is this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group. So we just wanted to start with a little discussion at your table there. A couple questions, just a few minutes, about how how do you perceive counseling and psychiatric sessions like um, depicted in common culture, the media? And then why do you think people are more um, open about sharing mental health concerns maybe than in generations past? So just a couple minutes at your table um, to chat about that. All right. any thoughts about that to either of those? What came up at your table? We've come a long way, but there's still, there's still ways to go. Okay. We've come a long way, but there's still a ways to go. Media presentations particularly, I think they still make fun of any kind of counseling or psychiatric sessions. Yeah. That's always done in a joking manner. Um, to illustrate that, <laughs> hope this doesn't offend anybody. Yeah, but, but there are, David and I were looking at cartoons, you know, just to kind of illustrate this, and some of them are not very respectful. Yeah, they kind of make fun of, of symptoms and whatnot, so um, we thought this one was cute. But Gretchen said, like, a lot of times um, mental health care is made fun of or joked about. Yeah, when we were looking for comics, there, there's a plethora of them. It's easy to find them, but we had to kind of weed them out because they can be like, so offensive to, to different populations of people. So yeah, we thought this one was, was pretty safe. It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty lighthearted. So. Yeah. Anything else come up worth mentioning at your table? Yeah. When I got a job as a full-time therapist here in Columbus, my aunt said, do you mean to tell me there's enough people with mental illness Wow, I don't know if you heard that, but we need to repeat it for the podcast. But just that when you got a job as a mental health therapist in Columbus, uh, uh, someone said, is there enough need to support one person in all of Columbus? Columbus. I like that, yeah. No, there's, there's, (laughs) yes, most certainly is of quite a few mental health professionals. Not just one. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Got one back here. video we're going to watch, they liken it to like diabetes, you know, like you might take medicine for diabetes. You would like maybe take nutritional classes to learn how to like manage it. And so, yeah, it's really through research. You're right. The it's 
we learned a lot in how much of a brain disorder and a biochemical issue mental, mental illness is. Yeah, um, we wanted to, a lot of times there's um, not clarity about like counselors and stuff like that. And so we just wanted to share. Um, so sometimes people come to me and they think that I can prescribe medicine. <laughs> and we just wanted to explain kind of the different levels of, of helpers. And there's your non-licensed helpers um, like um, ICADA, ICADA, the addictions counselor has a certification. There's um, Christian, like biblical counselor certification through American Association of Christian Counselors. And those are courses that you can take and you can get a certification, but those are not like sanctioned by the state or anything like that. And so they can be very helpful, um, but you just need to know like what kind of training the person might have had. Um, master's level, so all those acronyms, I'll just run through them in case you don't know, a licensed clinical social worker, um, licensed marriage or licensed mental health counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and licensed clinical addictions counselor. Those are all examples of people who have a master's degree and that's, David, that's the program you're in to become an LMHC. And what do you gotta have, like 500 or 700 client contact hours before you can graduate, right? Yeah, it's something like that. I should probably know that off the top of my head because that's, that's my next year in school, but I'll get there, I'll know it when I get there. But yeah, it's a few hundred hours yeah. Um, of yeah, direct contact. Yeah, before you can graduate. And actually, David is planning on doing an internship with us at LifeWorks next fall um, to, to get some of those hours. Then once you graduate, you can't sit for the exam to be licensed until you've had 2,000 hours, client contact hours, under a supervisor. And then only then can you sit for the exam, and assuming you pass it then, um, then you um, are fully licensed. So if you see an A, like LMHCA, or LM, uh, LMFTA, those are people that have graduated but are not yet like fully licensed. So when you graduate, you'll be an LMHCA until you pass your test. And I can still see people when that's, that's an associate license right. for those two years. Yeah. So I, I can still, those people can still see clients on their own, but they're just not fully licensed. They can't practice like on their own, in their own private practice. They have to be under someone. Yeah, under a supervisor. Yeah. So, so then the doctorate level would be your psychologist, and that would, could be a PhD or a PsyD. And a lot of times psychologists do counseling, like 45, 50 minute sessions. And oftentimes those psychologists will just do like testing, like testing for ADHD or testing like neuropsych testing for dementia or something like that. So some psychologists do provide counseling um, and then some do just more like testing. And then your medical, your medical practitioners are like medical doctors, like psychiatrists, or um, in recent years, we've, we've gotten more um, nurse practitioners. And even some of the medical practices in Columbus have hired a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And a lot of times, um, your medical doctor, your general practitioner, a lot of times, if, if you're experiencing some mild um, 
symptoms like depression or anxiety, general practitioners can prescribe medication. Um, but then if, if there's, if you can't get, um, if that's not helpful, I always encourage people to see a psychiatric nurse practitioner or a, a psychiatrist, just like if you had a heart issue, you'd go to a cardiologist, you know? So um, regular general practitioners can often just, it can be very effective. So if you ever have questions, feel free to talk to your medical doctor and oftentimes they can be very helpful in, in assessing whether medication might be helpful or not. So um, did I miss anything on that? David? I think, uh, just to clarify on the, like the psychiatrist, like that is a fully licensed medical doctor. So like they went to med school and um, psychiatry, like mental health is, is their specialty. So like that's pretty high up on the, on the pole, you know? So people like here, uh, counselor, therapist is thrown around to, psychologist, psychiatrist, and a lot of people may not know the difference between them, but that's what we were trying to get here was to like split up the levels, show you like the graduations there of how, what the difference is between all those different levels. So a psychiatrist is pretty high up, which is why they're able to prescribe medications. Right, and, and so if you're doing counseling, chances are you might be meeting with a master's level clinician or a psychologist. If you're doing medicine, um, and the video is gonna talk about both of those today, if you're gonna do medicine, you're gonna have to see a medical doctor or a psychiatrist or psychiatric nurse practitioner. So any questions about that? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming some people will do both. Some right? people will do medicine and um, Yes, thank you. <laughs> so research shows that for people experiencing um, mental health challenges, a combination of med medicine, if, if it's indicated by a physician, um, and therapy or counseling is the best, most effective treatment. Um, so yeah, good question. And we work a lot, um, like if, some, if a client that I have is being prescribed medicine for anxiety or depression or whatever, we, um, if, we sign a if the client signs a release of information, we can talk back and forth with the, uh, the prescriber to, if we wanna share information. So a collaborative approach is really awesome. And um, I had the opportunity, um, a local nurse practitioner, I had the opportunity to sit in on a session, on a, a, an assessment session with her and a person um, about a month ago. And just the questions she asked and we were able to collaborate and, and um, it was just, it was really, I learned a lot from her. So there's such value in collaboration. Anything else? And feel free to add anything here, Pam. Um, okay, so we just wanted to make sure that people, that's a lot of people just don't understand like the differences, so yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, the next slide is going over some key terms and definitions that we've got. Um, and this is on the handout, the handouts that are at all of your tables. It's on one of the sides with all the lists of definitions. And um, we thought that this would be important to include because being able to have intelligent conversations with people about mental wellness and illness is important. This content uh, isn't necessarily intended to produce experts of mental health professionals, but um, instead it's just designed to 
uh, help you to grow in your awareness and your empathy. So, um, if you'll follow along on your sheet, I'll just read through each one and the definition. So the first one we have is lived experience. So that would be the personal experience of living with a mental health challenge or SMI. And SMI is a term that we'll get to a little bit later. And so like in the video last week, Matt, the guy in the video, mm -hmm. he's a person with lived experience. Right. And in fact, I think we could say that about every video right. if it follows yeah. a person's story who has lived experience. Next one is mental disorder. So this is the technical term for a particular type of mental illness. And then mental health is a little broader. Mental health refers to the emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Mental health is not determined by the presence or absence of mental health, and it is dynamic in nature. The ability to experience positive emotions, think clearly about life, re relate to others in meaningful ways, and connect with a sense of hope and purpose, i.e. subjective experiences of well-being change over time. And I, so I just want to note in there that you can have a mental illness and still have mental health. Those are not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, and then, so the next one, then mental health challenge, is a term that describes mild to moderate experiences or symptoms of poor mental health regardless of the presence or absence of mental illness. The term may not be appropriate when referring to an SMI, which again, we'll, we'll hit that term later. Uh, mental illnesses um, affect emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. They are formally diagnosed based on the nature, degree, and longevity of impairment experienced. And this can range from mild um, to severe and they can be either acute, so short-term, or chronic, which is lifelong. The next one, mental well-being. The terms mental well-being and mental health are often used synonymously. Mental well-being refers to high levels of positive emotional, psychological, and social functioning. Then recovery is a dynamic and self-directed journey towards a meaningful life. It emphasizes the development of assets rather than symptom reduction. Next one is severe mental illnesses or SMIs. Um, I think I've also heard the term SPMI, severe persistent mental illness, um, but SMI is what um, they have here. And that is uh, a mental disorder which results in acute functional impairment. So um, I think persistent mental illness would then probably be chronic instead of acute. Yeah, and so someone who um, maybe has worked for years to try and manage um, a severe mental illness and it just, they're still not able to work, um, they just, it's their, their mental illness hinders them from being able to be um, reliable and whatnot. Sometimes people with an SMI can, can be on disability. Um, just as legitimate as maybe a, a physical impairment. All right, last one then is well-being. Well-being in its broadest sense encompasses objective and subjective indicators of health and happiness, including physical health, income, housing, access to education, and the psychological resources and skills that enable people to feel good and function well in life. So it's kind of 
encompassing mental health and all other aspects of a person's life. Okay, so I wanna look at this again. Um, and I wanna just read you a little story about a guy named James. Um, so um, I know we saw this last week, but it just demonstrates that um, it kind of applies to all of us and that mental health is changing. So imagine you have a friend named James. He's physically healthy, happily married. He's part of a vibrant church. Um, he loves his job as an engineer. And so in other words, he's experiencing mental health and well-being. So one day James receives the news that his mother has died unexpectedly. And then several weeks later, um, his company downsizes and he loses his job as an engineer. Um, he's no longer spending time with his friends. He's anxious about his finances. He's not sleeping and he's struggling to have the energy just to get out of bed every morning. So it's important to, to note that th those are common responses to stress. And so loss and loss of job, a lot of times people have just significant loss like that and it really impacts them emotionally. Um, but if it consider, like if that pattern then continues over a period of time, that can really become a mental health challenge. And that's when you would wanna for sure talk to your, your um, medical doctor or, or reach out for help. Um, mental health challenge refers to mild or moderate experiences and symptoms of poor mental health, um, which may or may not end up with a formal diagnosis of mental illness. So earlier when we met James, he was flourishing, but if we wanted to locate him on the mental health continuum at his lowest, he, we'd find him somewhere at the bottom. He would be languishing. Um, so after losing his mom, his job, and his sense of well-being, um, he's, he's down there at the bottom. And it's not the end of the story though, because James can recover, he can find peace through the grieving process, start a new job, and begin to experience flourishing mental health again. Um, so it's just an example, just to help us recognize none of us is immune. Um, even um, serious mental health symptoms like um, auditory hallucinations, thinking you're hearing things or even seeing things that are not there, like elderly people that get urinary tract infections can have those symptoms, can, you know, and so, um, or um, somebody maybe that ha for whatever reason hasn't slept well in several nights, they've not gotten sleep at all, those can bring on psychotic symptoms or symptoms that are not based in reality. And sometimes it's as simple as um, that person prescribing some medication so they can get good sleep and those symptoms will resolve and never come back. So just good for us to understand that. Um, so just each of us will experience flourishing and languishing and um, whether or not we have a mental illness. And what I love about this is that God's in all of that. God's around and surrounding in all of that. So any thought, other thoughts, David, or any thoughts or questions about that? Is there a, a term that distinguishes between situational, like what you just described, situational mental uh -huh. illness, or just like chronic, inherited, you know, mental illness? 
um, the question was, is there a term that describes situational or, or chronic? Like if someone, if an elderly person has a UTI and they're seeing things and hearing things. And I think that would be in the diagnosis. Like when, you, when we diagnose, we would say due to this, um, and, and it would be acute, like acute stress disorder, or due to a medical condition. That would all be fleshed out in the official diagnosis. Yeah, and I think that might be something that we touch on in a, a later session, is kind of diving into like a diagnosis and how people diagnose, and like the, the, the manual that we use as our guide for that, the DSM. And that's the class I'm taking right now, is the, 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 the DSM class. And uh, it's, it's pretty um, extensive, like the different specifiers that you can add on to a disorder. Yeah. And so like say if it was like delusion, um, you could specify because of a medical issue, specifically maybe a, a urinary tract infection, or, and you can specify you know, the severity, mild, moderate, or severe. You can specify if it's acute or like, yeah, like one time or situational or if it's uh, long lasting. Or even um, a reaction to a drug, mm -hmm. you know, can cause, um, sometimes people have unusual reactions. Yeah, so it's much more nuanced, like diagnosis is much more nuanced than, than uh, one might at first think, but it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into it and um, uh, mental health professionals don't take that lightly, of course. They, they want to make sure that they're fleshing out exactly what it is that the person may be dealing with and um, accurately diagnosing it. So they wouldn't just slap a label of like schizophrenia on someone who may be having like one episode of delusion. They're wanting to dive into that and make sure that they're, you know, uh, uh, correctly diagnosing to all of the specifications for a uh, or a disorder. Yeah. Trish. So you guys keep talking about the elderly and the UTI, and you guys may have covered this last week, or maybe I just don't know, but on the elderly, when, and I'm feeling this with my mom right now at times, do they just not know that they have a UTI? Because I know when I've had one, you know you have one as a, like, but is it the elderly, do they just not feel it as, like, I'm not trying to be, like, too invasive, but, I mean, I'm just So symptomology, um, I'm not a medical person, but if anybody here is, but I think that the, the uh, symptoms of a UTI in the elderly can be much more subtle. Yeah. To repeat that for the podcast and anyone who may not have heard, what does, uh, maybe for a younger population, a UTI might be a little more obvious, so wouldn't an elderly person know that they have one? And um, as someone else in the audience pointed out, that uh, the symptoms can be more mild in the elderly population, so they might, it might go unnoticed. I'm, I'm not sure when to include myself in the elderly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question as it relates to whether or not, like in the case that you just spoke about, mm -hmm you know, the, the loss of several things leading to a period of time where you might be languishing. Is there like a time frame as to whether or not that becomes more of a functional impairment versus just a temporary 
period of like a time frame like, like I, for diagnosis yeah in the DSM there are time frames yeah, yeah. like um, it, it could be a series of this many days or this many weeks yeah so that is all part of a differential diagnosis yeah. yeah, and it all differs depending on the diagnosis or the disorder. Uh, you know, it might be six months or a year. Can you grab mic her? She's going to share something, and I just want to make sure so we don't have to repeat it. Yeah. Since I wasn't here last week, I didn't know if you went over this, but the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, and we're now up to level five. I think the first one was in like 1920, and that's what that has pages to tell you what, <laughs> are you doing my gesture <laughs> um, it, it, it helps us kind of delineate which detail and so forth. Yeah. It's getting bigger and bigger. You want the CD now. Yeah. It's, uh, thank you for that. We're, it's, it comes up later, so we might um, print off uh, all the op all, uh, print off one diagnosis and you can see all the options. When I did my class, like, I thought I had every last one of them. I'm like, I think I feel that. I think, I think this is my diagnosis. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get to the video. This is um, the second video. Um, it's on mental illness. And it's about 20 minutes, and then we'll do a little, um, a little discussion, and we'll go from there. And um, just be sure to... As you're watching, if, you, if anything comes up that you want to uh, either bring up later or just make note of for yourself, be sure to jot it down. There's space on the back of the handout. I hope you are enjoying this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group. For more information, you can head over to stpeterscolumbus.org. There, you will find more faith content and you can support this ministry. And don't forget, if you are looking for that local church and you live in Columbus, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. Now back to the Sunday Morning Bible Group. At your tables, um, just a few minutes, just to share like what stood out to you or resonated with you, what new understandings might you have gotten, um, anything you struggled with, what questions came up. Um, just take a few minutes at your table and we'll come back together then at the end. We'll bring it back together. Just some really good discussion around your tables um, of things that, that stood out for you. So, um, yeah, anything just burning um, that came up at your table that you got from the video? Yeah, so not labeling, yeah. And yeah, we do that. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, Renee? Yeah. I was just gonna say like, um, people don't always have the ability to articulate what they're feeling. And so especially with little kids, I think that makes it really tricky because kids are changing, developing, growing all the time. They go through phases, you know, certain things bother them and then they don't. And so I think like that was really important to be aware of is mm. teaching kids self-awareness mm -hmm. and how to articulate that. We do that so much better today. Yeah. yeah, even in the classroom, teachers are educated and 
uh, trauma response. And, and a lot of times it's like, instead of why are you doing that, they're asking what happened to you. So yeah, good. Um, we're running short on time. One thing I added to the handout today, a couple of people mentioned, there's a quote there, and I don't know if, if you were here last week, the, the young man in the video said that this is how his pastor responded when he was kind of in emotional crisis and he reached out to his pastor. Um, his pastor said, Matt, first of all, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I want you to know this doesn't change how I see you. In fact, I respect you all the more for the courage of opening up about this. I love you, God loves you, and we're gonna walk through this together. That was so poignant. If you leave this class with one tool, it would be that. Like, sometimes I just have to practice things so they roll off my tongue. So I just, I thought that was so um, powerful how the, the pastor responded to him and just a good guide for us and being able to respond if, if someone um, opens up to us about a struggle they're having. So um, if you have questions, we had some questions last week and we'll try and get to them next week. Some of them may have been answered a little bit, but if you have questions you'd like to, um, us or to know more about, um, let us know on your way out, okay? Yeah, so God, thank you um, just for growing us and um, all truth is your truth. And so thank you for helping us to understand better. I pray that for each of us, you would just open our eyes to any ways in which you would want us to respond differently to people or um, to reach out to people. Um, and I just thank you that like that image and that you are God of all of this. And I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed this Sunday morning Bible group. If you did, be sure to share it and subscribe so we can get you more faith content when it's available. And I want to give a shout out to all people who call St. Peter's home. It is through you that we are able to connect people to Jesus for the first time and keep people connected for a lifetime. We hope to see you next time.